Well, tonight I want to talk to you about having a passion for God. We need to have a passion for the Lord. I mean a real passion. Let me just give you a simple definition of the word passion. It's a compelling emotion or conviction, intense emotional drive or excitement, ardent affection. Now, let's just talk about passion for just a minute, all right? If you go on Amazon and you search for books that start with a passion for, you find several hundred, but there's a book a passion for books. Okay. A passion for cactus. A passion for chocolate. I know some of you are probably going to want to go look that one up, but there's a passion for fashion. There's passion for fishing and for flying and for gardening. There's passion for golf and hunting. There's even a book, A Passion for Mushrooms. Okay. A passion for needlepoint. There's something to be excited about. Right? I don't know. A passion for pasta. A passion for ponies. There's a book called A Passion for Potatoes. Passion for Roses. You can have a passion for shoes. I think some people have that one. And there's a book called A Passion for Steam. I don't know why you would want to be passionate about steam, but okay. There's even one called A Passion for Whiskey. I'm pretty sure that one's going to get you in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Passion for whiskey. All kinds of things you can be passionate about. And, you know, here in America, it's just kind of, uh, well, it's our God-given right. They say, you, you know, you can do what you want and pursue what you want. And you can be passionate about whatever you want. But if you're being passionate about God, I want to tell you, I'm going to warn you, there's going to be some people, most of you, you've probably already found out, there's going to be some people that tell you you need to keep it all in perspective. Uh, You just need to tone it down a little bit. And I'm not just talking about the world. I'm talking about religious people. I'm talking about the religious culture. There are going to be people that tell you, now, you know, it's fine if you've got your faith and, you know, you've got your religion, but, well... Let's keep it all in perspective. In fact, it's amazing to me how often it'll be some friend or well-meaning family member that will tell you that, you know, it's fine for you to have your religion, but you don't want it to take over your life. I want to tell you that is exactly what Jesus wants to do. He wants to take over your life. He wants to be your Lord. I know that may not be the, you know, the popular thing to say, but it's absolutely true. Jesus really does want to take over your life. You know, here in America, people are passionate about all kinds of things, passionate about movies. You know how I know that? Because when, when a big movie comes out, they'll line up. They'll stand in line for a long time. They'll crowd in there with lots and lots of people. Well, they'll just look for a seat. Can I get a seat somewhere? I wish people were as passionate about the Lord as that. You know what they tell us preachers is now, if your parking lot is a little too full, people will just drive through and go on down the road. And I can tell you right now, we got to be careful if it gets too full in here. We got we got lots of room, by the way. So I don't think we've got anything to worry about on Wednesday night. But sometimes we've had a few Sunday mornings where, you know, we're grabbing extra chairs and bringing them out. But here's the thing. Some people we can't find a seat. I don't know if I'm going to come back here. 
I'm just telling you, people can be really passionate about things, but when it comes to the Lord, are we really passionate? Passion for sports. Some people, I mean, they're not good. Did you know there are some churches that cancel services because there's a, a sport thing that's happening on TV? Good grief. I don't, you know what? I think it's great if you're a fan. That's awesome. You know, and if you got a couple of hundred dollars you want to spend to buy you a ticket and you want to spend, you know, a couple of hours getting over to wherever and getting parked and into that stadium and you spend your three hours there and a couple of hours back fighting the traffic and all that, if that's what floats your boat, okay. But I'm just telling you tonight, we ought to be way more passionate about God than that. I, you know, I think sometimes the part of the problem is, is we, we got it so easy. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's just, it, it, we went to revival one time in Pensacola, Florida, Brownsville, actually. And, um, you know, it, people were lined up and it was pretty amazing to me. We're coming in the door and they got the ushers and people out there herding us in like cattle. Like, everybody this way, everybody this way. All right, go here and go there. And, and everybody's just going along because everybody wants to be. I want to tell you something. There was so much excitement in that place. You know why? Because people had traveled hundreds or thousands of miles to get there. I want to tell you, you don't have to go to Brownsville. You don't have to go to some college over there where they haven't a you can have revival right here, but we need a passion for God. We need to be excited about the Lord. See, we need to have that kind of hunger, that kind of desire. But so much of the time, you know, it, even when you talk about, you know, our youth, they go to youth camp and it's a special time. But you see, part of it is the expectation that they go there. It's a special thing. When do we lose the fact that it's a special thing to come and worship God and to be in the presence of God? It's so special, I don't want to miss it. And I'm willing to stand in line if I have to. We just need to be passionate about the Lord as much as people are about all kinds of other things. I mean, I wish that Christians today were as passionate about the Lord as they are about politics. They get all fired up. Why aren't they fired up about the Lord? We just need to be excited about God. I'm telling you, you know, some of us, we're excited. We, we're passionate about food. It's evident. Why aren't we passionate about the Lord? See, I, most of us, we don't miss too many meals, but we miss too much with the Lord. Here's the thing. He loves us so much. He loved us enough to come and suffer and die for us, to take our place on the cross. He bore our sin, our guilt, our shame. He went through such torment of the body and the soul in the spirit for us and he deserves nothing less 
than a fiery love. We should be passionate about the Lord, the one who loved us so much. You know, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. It, it, it ought to be a passionate love. Jesus said that in Mark 12, 30, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I think sometimes that familiar verses like that, we can just kind of skim over it and you say, well, yeah, we should love the Lord. But think about it with all your heart. You know, the heart is the seat of the will. It is also where our emotions come from. All your heart, all your heart, not a part, all your heart, all your soul, mind, will, and emotions, your mind. I tell you, these, some of these things kind of overlap, but you need to understand that he's talking about all of you. And then he, in Mark, it says strength also. Strength. What is, what is he getting at here? It's everything you are. You're supposed to love the Lord your God with your all. That's it. And I want to tell you that is a passionate kind of love. Nothing held back. We need to have that kind of passion about the Lord. Jesus says in the last days that the love of many will grow cold. That's a sad thing. I do believe we're living in the last days. I don't know exactly how long the last days are. I mean, I've been serving the Lord for 45 years and people have been saying it's the last days. But I do believe it's the last days. I just don't know how long that's going to be. But here's what I also know that I see it in our day that the love of many has grown cold. And you see, here's, what, here, here's the thing we need to understand about this. Most of them, they didn't just one day get up and say, you know what, I'm just walking away. I'm done with this. That's not how it happens. No, they just drift. They just drift. They're not, really, they're not really even aware that they're drifting. And this message tonight, I believe, is a call to some of us to say, hey, wake up. I read a story one time about a guy that got on a raft out in the ocean, you know, at the beach, and he fell asleep. And, you know... He just drifted and drifted and drifted so far out until when he woke up, he couldn't even see where land was. That's a scary thing, isn't it? But I want to tell you, some people, they just sleep spiritually. You know, they just get in a comfortable place and they just kind of go to sleep and they just drift and drift and drift. No passion just sleeping. And they finally, you know, when they do wake up, they're so far from the Lord. I want to tell you, we need to keep our fire for the Lord. Keep our passion always. When we get to that place where we're no longer actively seeking, pursuing the Lord, that's a dangerous place to be. I mean, when you get to the place where we no longer see the need to, that's a dangerous place. But the Lord, He always wants our all, all our hearts. He doesn't want us to have some religion. He wants us to serve Him with the whole heart, not just follow some rules. 
but follow him. We need to be passionate about him. Seek him with all our heart. We serve him with all our heart. Whatever we do, the Bible says we do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. I'm telling you, in this Christian life that we've been called to live, there's just never a time that we're half-hearted. Because whatever we do, even our work, family, whatever you do, we do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Psalms 42, the psalmist describes how passionate he is, how thirsty he is for God. He says, as the deer pants for the water, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Might be a little bit hard for some of us to really relate to because most of us have never had to go thirsty for very long. But he's talking about a deep down desire, something that's very strong, something that just draws you. It's That desire is so strong. We need that kind of desire for the Lord. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I think that sometimes people settle into a comfortable relationship with the Lord. And, and I, I, want to, I want to clarify, we should absolutely feel comfortable with our Lord, all right? We, I mean, we, it, it ought to be the place that we feel the most comfortable, you know what I'm saying, in that relationship with Jesus. But what I'm talking about here is that sometimes we can just slip over into this place where we are complacent about the Lord. And we got to keep that fire burning, that desire, that passion for the Lord going. I want to tell you, Jesus never settles for a middle-of-the-road relationship. And this is one of the things, you know, I, I think that for the most part, preachers and teachers in our generation, they focus on about 10% of what Jesus said, and people like it that way. Because if you start getting into the, all of the teachings of Jesus, there's a whole lot of it that people don't want to hear. And it doesn't really fit with a lot of the gospel that's being preached today. But Jesus says things like Luke 14, 26. He says, if anyone comes to be as does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brother, sister, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, this is a clarify real quick, quick here. We know Jesus isn't telling us to actually hate anybody, but he is talking about in comparison with our passion, with our love for him, we just despise everything and everybody else. There's not even a close second. You see, that's offensive to a lot of people because a lot of people, you know, it's like, okay, well, you Jesus here, my family here, you know. I mean, they know Jesus has got to be first, but it's, it's tight, you know. No, Jesus is way above anything and everybody else in our life. Now, you know, it's a little, a little easier to swallow in Matthew and, and verse uh, chapter 10, verse 37, he says it this way. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. But I want to tell you the truth that a lot of people are more passionate about their family than they are the Lord. And here's what Jesus says. They're not worthy of me. 
In fact, the, the first one that we read in, in Luke, he says, if anyone comes to me, see, if we're going to come to Jesus, we've got to be all in. Father, mother, son, daughter, I mean, the people that are dearest to us. But our love for God has to be so much greater than for anything else. He's talking about a fiery love, a passion for God. I think that it's a sad time for America. And I, I know I'm contrary, and, but I've just got to tell you, I know a lot of people are all wound up about how our culture has turned secular and, and how that, you know, it, it's so bad. There's so much immorality and it's terrible. But I think it's a sad day in America because so much of the church has become comfortable and church has become complacent and church has become convenient. I mean, if it's convenient for me, I might go to church. If it's convenient, you know, if it works out, if something doesn't come up, we got, you know, if it's convenient, it's all about what we want. It's not about what he wants. It's about what pleases me and my family. It's not about what pleases the Lord. I mean, when it comes to worship, it's, you know, can I feel the music? Is that something I can get in? Does it stir me? It's not about what he wants. It's not about worship, him in spirit and in truth. I'm just telling you, see, we get, we get this all out of whack. And that's where the big problem, we want to impact a culture. We want to change a culture. They need to see that our God is real, that, that we are passionate about him, that we would lay it all on the line in a moment, in an instant for our God. Every day. See, this, this world, they need to see that in us. I believe that the world saw that in those first century Christians. Uh, it didn't always come easy for them. No, there were times, you know, in that second, third century when those people were thrown into the lion's den. But you know what they did? They went in faith, believing in Jesus. And I want to tell you, they were with their Lord. And we just need to, we just need to get this right. Quit worrying about persecution and all the world's all going down. We just need to live for God and show them who our Savior is. Got to be on fire for the Lord. We got to have a passion about the Lord. Devotion. Love for him that says, here's my life. I lay it down. Not what I want, it's what you want. Jesus is always our example, isn't he? He says, he says to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, not my will, but your will be done. See? And the world telling us we should make too big a deal out of Jesus. And a lot of religious people think we shouldn't make too big a deal out of Jesus, but... He ought to be the biggest deal in our life. He ought to be the, by far the most important thing in our life. C.S. Lewis said it like this, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. It's absolutely true. Because if Jesus is the Son of God and He died on the cross for you and me, 
then he is worthy of our all for the rest of our life. He's worthy. And if that's not who he is, if he didn't die on the cross and rise from the dead, then we should all just go home and live self-centered lives like it don't matter. But the one thing that Christianity cannot be is moderately important. It's either real and deserves all. Or it's just a big game and a big joke. But it can't just be somewhere in the middle. So many get caught in the middle of the road somewhere between really being on fire for the Lord and cold towards the Lord. See, on fire for Christians that hold nothing back. They live for God 24-7. They love to come to church and worship. They're students of the Word. They pray every day. There isn't anything they wouldn't do for God. They're full tilt, full contact, no pads. Some of you know what I'm talking about. No compromise, Christians. Then there's, you know, then there's those cold people. They don't want anything to do with the things of God. But most people just fall somewhere in the middle, and that's right. Some of you know. I'm going to Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 through 16. Jesus says, I know your works. And right here, we just got to stop for just a minute because a whole lot of people, they justify their lack of serving God with a whole heart, their lack of obedience, their lack of passion for the Lord with but he knows my heart. Oh, he does. He knows your heart better than you do. And Jesus says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth not only speaks, but out of the, out of the heart come all kinds of things. The issues of your life, all the actions of your life, it flows out of your heart. And so Jesus says, I know your works And we need to get this. He sees our works. Now, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. He's saying this to a lukewarm church. And he says, I know your works. You see, if we're truly passionate about the Lord, it will show in our life. And if we're not, that shows too. And so we just need to hear it. He says, I know your works. That's the proof of our spiritual temperature. He says, I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I just don't think you ought to talk that way, Jesus. You see, he says a lot of things that it's just not popular to say. But I'm telling you, he loves us. And he says these things because he loves us. But the real issue here is our spiritual condition, our commitment, our dedication, our passion for the Lord. And most Christians are just kind of living somewhere in the, in the middle. You know, they're not bad. They're just not really on fire for God either. They're not living all out for God. They're keeping it comfortable. You know, 
when it's convenient. They don't deny the Lord. They just don't talk about Him much either. They stand and they sing songs, but they don't worship in spirit and in truth. They're too tired to pray, but they waste their time and energy doing all kinds of other things. So many drift away. They stop praying as much, stop going to church as much. They make excuses. They don't talk about Jesus. Their relationship with Jesus is like a secret. In Luke chapter 22, it tells us that when Jesus was arrested, that Peter followed at a distance. Those of you that are turning, it's 54 through 57, I think. But Peter followed at a distance. That's the way some people today follow Jesus. They just kind of follow him at a distance. I'm a follower. But they're keeping it comfortable. They're keeping it reasonable. A certain servant girl, seeing Peter as he sat by the fire, looked at him and said, this man also was with him. But he denied it. He said, woman, I do not know him. Some today, like Peter, they warm themselves at the fires of the world. They look into other things. Oh, how we need to have a passion, a fire for God. And I just want to encourage you. If you don't feel that tonight, I want to tell you that you can change it. You're going to have to change your works, though. You're going to have to do something different. You can't just keep going on drifting. You can't just keep allowing yourself to keep heading that way. You got to make it real and and make up your mind that you're going to be on fire for God. Now, verse 17 of Revelation 3, he says, Because you say I'm rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You see, when you're lukewarm, it's easy to think that you're just fine, that you're okay. No big deal. You don't think you need anything. I really think that when we're on fire, to some degree, we feel like we need something every day. That every day, like the psalmist, I I thirst for you. We just want more. But when we're we're lukewarm, we just get to that place where we're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. I don't really know what all these things are. A lot of people speculate and... I'm just going to kind of throw out some possibilities here. Gold refined in the fire. I do know this. The greatest possession that you could ever have is a real relationship with God. That is the supreme possession of life is to know Him personally and have a relationship with Him. 
that you may be rich, white garments, that you may be clothed. I think that speaks of righteousness. I, I, I believe that that speaks of us having, you know, that righteousness by faith, but also you know, being clothed in white. I believe it speaks of sanctification. You know, the scripture tells us to be, he says, be holy for I am holy. And, you know, people naturally think, oh, that must be Old Testament. Oh, no, it's in Peter. He says, be holy, for I am holy. And then people say, oh, well, it's just a blood thing. We're just holy because of the blood. But he says to be holy in all your conduct. Whoa, we don't want to hear that. Yes, we want that kind of passion for the Lord that we desire that. None of us is perfect and none of us is going to arrive until we see him. But we ought to want it. We ought to be desiring to be holy in all our conduct and not be content with compromise. Always wanting to be more like our Savior. He says that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you might see. Oh, how we need the Lord to open our eyes so that we can truly see spiritual truth and understand and know him. He goes on, he says, as many as I love, and here it is, he loves us, he loves us. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. It's for our good. He loves us too much to leave us in a lukewarm condition. And he says, therefore, be zealous. Be zealous. It speaks of passion. I looked up the Greek word for zealous here, and I looked at how else it was used in the Scripture, and it is the same word that is used for covet in the New Testament. We, we want to covet the Lord. See, we want Him more than anything else. He is our heart's desire to be zealous for Him. You know, the same word also is used sometimes in a negative way, like if you're talking about jealousy or envy of man, but it's that strong desire for the Lord. That's what He's talking about. And He says, be zealous. He doesn't tell us to do something we can't do. And he says this very plainly, be zealous, therefore, you can. You got to make up your mind to be zealous. You know, sometimes we get stirred up by a special service or a retreat or a youth camp or something like that. And that's a great thing. But I got to tell you, that most of the time, we got to stir ourselves up. We can't just be stirred up once a year. We got we to gotta stir ourselves up. I mean, you know, it's great when you go and you hear some, some speaker and they're, they're so fiery, that fire kind of gets over on you. Isn't that an awesome thing? But you know what's even better than that's when you got your own fire. That you're not just getting a little from somebody else. Or somebody light me up because I'm, I'm just cold and dry. Listen, what's awesome is when we get that fire ourselves. And I want to tell you that you can. 
You know, he has given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. Jeremiah said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. You see, if you'll read the word, don't, don't go off over there in Numbers and Leviticus and reading the genealogies and all that. You start with the Gospels and you read the book of Acts and you read the Psalms and you, you read of the stories of Genesis. And I want to tell you, it'll fire you up. But oh, how we need the Word of God. You see, I know your works. Well, you know what? If this has been our works, and he's, he's rebuking us and he's saying, be zealous. And then he gives us this key word. He says, repent. And repentance doesn't just mean stop doing bad things. Repentance means a change not only of your actions, but even your attitude and the direction that you're going. To repent means to, to make, make a change that you're going to do different now. You see, our works were this way. He says, I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. But you see, now we got to change our works and the direction that we're going. In other words, we got to make up, make up our mind that we're going to be passionate about the Word of God. Y'all ever hear about this next Netflix binging? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I got to go preach to some young people, a bunch of old people. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? See, I get a few nods over here. There we go. Yeah, we're going to watch Netflix. We're going to watch this show. We're going to watch like 15 episodes back to back to back to back. Man, what if we got into the word like that? Just dug in. What if we, what if we, you know, this is really weird for some of you, but I remember the days we went to Sambo's. Anybody know what Sambo's is? Well, okay, I'll help you out. It's kind of like a Denny's. Anybody know what Denny's is? More of you maybe. Some of you still don't know. But we would go to Sambo's at like 10 o'clock at night and get some coffee. And we would flip our Bibles out on the table and talk about the Lord and the things of God for a couple of hours, you know. And then we'd try to tip those waitresses a little bit since we didn't buy nothing but coffee. But I'm just telling you, though, we, we had, I know now it's all weird. We got your phone out. But I don't know how. I'm just old school. That don't hardly work for me. Sometimes I got to be able to flip it in the pages. You know what I'm saying? But however it works for you. But you, we just need to have that kind of zeal for the Word of God. Here's a God who tells us about Himself. You want to know Him? This Scripture reveals Him to us. And you, you want your faith to be strong? I want to tell you, the Word of God will strengthen your faith. It tells you of the promises of God. It tells you of His goodness and His power. See, you want to be on fire? Oh, stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. It will help you. See, be passionate about obedience. Jesus says to people, he says, why do you call me Lord and do not do the things which I say? See, make up your mind. You know what, Lord, as best of my ability, I'm going to obey you. I'm not going to make any excuses. Be passionate about worshiping. He's so worthy. We got to get used to it because when you get to heaven, we're going to be doing it. But I'm just telling you that 
we should never be, should never have the attitude like, well, it's just singing some songs. No. Every time you have the opportunity, you worship. You worship. Be passionate about serving. I'm just kind of being how I am sometimes, but some of you will love me anyway. Because I want to tell you, you see, sometimes people want to, want to serve in some way until you say, okay, well, this is what you need to do, and then you need, you know, and this is, you got to do this, and this is how this works, and well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that because, you know, I got this and I got that. And I, I want to tell you, anytime you make a commitment to the Lord or anything else for that matter, it means you say no to some other things. That's the way commitment works. It's not just saying no. It's being willing to say or saying yes. We say yes to God, but it's not just that. It's being willing to say no to some other things. And so often when it comes to serving, people kind of draw the line on God well, I think I got 30 minutes every other week. Y'all love me anyway, right? Some of you, three of you. That's Be passionate about witnessing. You know, it, witnessing, I know that, that word scares some people, but let me just put it like this. Tell other people what he's done for you. It's as simple as that. You tell other people how much the Lord means to you, what he's done for you. You tell other people what he can do for them. We need to be passionate about it. And most of all, we just need to be passionate about our relationship with the Lord. Verse 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice, listen, he's speaking. Are you hearing? You gotta, you gotta, sometimes you gotta get to the place where you shut out the noise of life. Where you can hear. As he says, if any man hears my voice and open the door, you gotta open the door. You gotta be willing to say, Lord, I wanna fellowship with you. I wanna have some time with you. I'm making room for this in my life. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. I encourage you tonight. Open the door. Keep it open. Abide in him. Have that continual fellowship with the Lord. You see, have that fiery love for him, a passion every day. He's the most important thing in your life. More than anybody else, you love the Lord, and He always comes first in your life. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray.